0: East Kentwood High School, Mr. Scalabrino's Media Arts class, and I am about to lose my mind. Because any moment now, my heroes, the funniest people on the land, in the planet, the hosts of the Grand Rapids, Michigan Q Morning Zoo are going to walk into our high school classroom to talk for career day. Best thing ever. Mr. Scalabrino, hisses at me. Don't make me look stupid. And I have a clever retort to this, but I don't say it. And in they walk. Robert J. Wright, Sarah Wilson, and Jim Owen. I almost soil myself. They are so cool. So cool. So confident. So awesome. They they follow their own rules. They say it like it is, no matter who's breathing down their neck. And I want to be just like them. Just like them. All right, kids. Who wants a Q Morning Zoo cap? Me, 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 me. They tell us how clever they are and how fun they are to hang out with and how everyone likes them. And I already know this. And finally, it's question time. And after all the losers ask their stupid queries, where do you get your jokes from? And get shot down by the hilarious zoo crew. You guys rock. You're so funny. So crazy funny. And so finally, 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 it's my turn. Uh, Um... Hey, Zoo Crew, hey, you guys are so cool, so super cool, that, you know, do you ever worry about stalkers? Silence. More silence. Then, uh I don't know, kid. Should we be worried (laughs) now? Everyone laughs. And hot wave of shame rush to my face. Kids move away from where I'm standing. Birds, they call in the distance. Mr. Scalabrino squints hard at me. And right then I know. I know with utter certainty, deep, deep, deep inside, I know I'm never going to get it on the radio. And it's been a long time, but today, on Snap Judgment, in a very special co-production with Love and Radio, I finally get that question answered. One amazing story about someone who pushes the joke a little too far. My name is from Washington and I understand Howard Stern's got nothing on the Q morning zoo that was perfected in Grand Rapids, Michigan. At least when you are listen to Snap Judgment. There is a very special relationship between getting to speak into this radio microphone and you, the listener. It's intimate and it's amazing and it's personal and raw while somehow still maintaining space and distance. There's almost nothing else like it. But for Australian DJ Amber Petty, that relationship crossed an invisible barrier into uncharted territory. The following does contain some explicit language. Sensitive listeners are advised.
1: Tune into Adelaide's new look breakfast show. To get your daily dose of celebrity interviews, oh, day, oh, contests, oh, local oh, goss, and all the big
0: Adelaide's
1: newest breakfast show, six to nine a.m. weekdays on
2: 1071 hundred
0: seven one S A F M. The night
2: head. Well. If you're reading this, it means that I'm no longer in pain. I'm in a much better spot with my family. So there's no need to be sad, right? I know that it is sad that we won't chat or share jokes or make each other smile or laugh. Well, not on this level anymore, at least. But look if you know me, and I am assuming that you did because you're getting this, you know that I will always be in your corner, okay? Like that overly cheesy line or dumbass comment that comes into your head when you're talking to someone irritating, that's going to be me. Or that laugh that you hear in your head when you see someone trip and fall flat on their face, that's going to be me. Think about me and I will be there with you. Tell me to bugger off and I'll bounce, but I'm always gonna come back whenever you need me. And please don't forget to have fun and to laugh at everything. Smile until it hurts and tell everyone around you that you love them and that you appreciate them. (laughs) You don't know what tomorrow holds. I love you all. From...
3: me.
4: Tell me what kind of show it was. The
1: Brecky, the Brecky show.
5: Just don't yeah, quit. the mind. good boy, good boy. <laughs>
1: um, it was very bread and butter.
5: This time when I snap my fingers. Say one, two, three. Why do Your name is Candy.
6: You're a gentleman's dancer.
1: Wacky, zany.
6: she's
1: <laughs> I mean, we would have got the concept from America, no doubt. Oh, no! You know, we were there to entertain people on their way to work. Who's tougher, men or women? Well, the women have... Come on or she's going to crank it bit up and <laughs> Women are tougher. A lot of mums in the cars with kids.
5: <laughs> Finish hair. Finish shirt on. No,
1: and us thinking we're very funny and taking the piss out of each other all the time.
5: <laughs> Rabbit,
7: Amber and Cozzy on one zero seven one SAFM.
4: Tell me a little bit about Rabbit.
1: So Rabbit was obviously my co-host. He had been um, DJ in Sydney on a a fairly big radio station, so he was a pretty slick jock. He was a little bit younger than me, bald guy, you know, married one kid and took radio very, very seriously seriously. I think it was within about three to six months that Rabbit announced that he had spoken to the boss and uh, that he wanted
5: to do his own gotcha calls. Michelle sent in an email saying her hubby is the most short-tempered, fiery character she's ever met. In fact, sometimes he yells so loud the neighbours can all hear him. Uh, the bit that got my attention, though, in her email, he hates being told he's yelling. Okay hello yeah hello jeff it's hugh adams here calling from from the council Uh, yeah mate we're just calling you regarding some uh some issues with the noise around your house lately jeez listen the noise there now yeah uh we're asking you to be able to to, if you'd be able to turn your music down
7: all right well i'm not home at the moment
5: no but but you are often home obviously only on a saturday oh no it's not only on a saturday i mean we've had reports
7: yeah yeah i know whatever mate
5: can you get the guy to stop making the noise in the background there no So you obviously don't realise when, when you're being loud And when you're not being loud Because that's quite loud to me now Yep Calm down
6: Yep Alright we need
5: to uh, We need to resolve this <laughs> And you're the one that's causing All the trouble here
7: Well I'm not I've just got wingy neighbours I don't
5: like they can So you're raising your voice at me now
7: I'm not, you're just, just not listening to my point of view and I'm not
5: yelling. I've listened to your point of view, but it's hard to understand when you keep yelling at me. <sighs> oh, and he hangs up. Okay. <laughs> Nearly you're there
1: shocking. with him. Shocking. I love that, like, within five seconds, you're like, calm down." I mean, he was very good at them and he put the time in. Hello.
5: Good morning. This is the voice automated system for... <laughs> Is this Rebecca? Hi, Shamilla, it's Jason Williams here from the head office. Jason, Shane Willsmore here, Australian Customs. It's Michael Davies here. i got a bevel, it's Fitu here. Calling from God FM in Whangaree, New Zealand. How are you?
1: You know, fairly quickly they were very popular. Hello? Hello? Hello?
8: Hello? Hello, who is this? Yeah,
1: so... Basically, um, one morning, Rabbit does his set-up to the Gotch call. So he basically sets it up by saying, you know, I was contacted by a local guy called Blaine Armstrong and um, he's in the middle of going through the de facto process with immigration because he's got a Canadian fiance and she's 26 and they're both 26 and they're madly in love and she wants to move to Australia and they want to get married here and um, he proposed on this very famous beach in South Australia. So he's asked me to do a gotcha call on his Canadian fiance So he says, so I decided to pretend I was from immigration and this is how the call went.
4: Hi, Mrs This is Colin from the Australian Immigration Department. I have your file right here in front of me. Do you have a moment to go through a few questions in your application? Yes,
1: absolutely. And then proceeds to basically ask a series of questions that are all sort of sound very formal. Uh, First up, Sarah, how old are you? I am 26 years old. And your occupation?
2: I'm a yoga instructor.
1: She's obviously desperately trying to, you know, be very polite because... Potentially, this person on the phone holds a lot of power over how her life kind of goes.
5: And Blaine Armstrong, he's your fiancé, is he not? Yes, he is. And what is Blaine's occupation?
2: He works in construction.
5: Thank you. And his favourite colour?
1: As the call continues, the questions start getting kind of a little more odd. And his favourite food?
4: A, spare ribs, B, pizza or C, is it
1: falafel? (laughs) Uh and uncomfortable and to the point where... Now, on a scale
9: of 1 to 10, with 1 being the smallest and 10 being the largest, how would you rate Blaine's downstairs area? What? Ma'am,
6: you know, his genital region? Um, and then
1: he goes quiet for a couple of seconds, purposely leaving her to rot, thinking... Oh shit, have I have I completely pissed off this immigration guy and he's gonna put a big, you know, cross over our files. <laughs> and anyway, so then and, and as Rabbit always does, he say Hey Sarah. Uh
4: yeah? This is Rabbit from SAFM and this has been a gotcha call. <laughs> oh <my laughs> no. We got
6: you. It Look, it was your adorable fiance, Blaine Armstrong. Uh, he put me on
8: of course
9: he did.
8: Oh, my God. I'm
4: going to kill you. So at the time, did it stand out as any different from the other gotcha calls?
1: It, did, it stood out because it was the first one they'd ever done with someone from uh, outside of South Australia. The second thing was that this girl, Sarah, sounded super cute. Like, she just had this voice and you you end up painting a picture of what this person might be and I think just this gorgeous... I mean, he also said that she was, you know, 26, she's a yoga instructor and the fact that she wanted to pick up her life and was moving to live in South Australia with a very parochial audience, that was important. We sort of fell in love with this this young, cute 26-year-old. A couple of months later, I'm in the office with Cosy, my other co-host, and our producer came in and said, Rabbit wants to see you back in the studio. He's got something he wants to record before you guys go home. It's got something to do with um, that Canadian girl, Sarah. We go into the studio, we sit down. Rabbit's looking a little serious and he says, he said, oh, you know, you remember Sarah, you know, the Canadian Sarah from The Gotch Call? Cool? And we're like, yeah. As you probably know, you know, we became sort of close friends and, you know, we're emailing a lot and, you know, had had a few phone calls since, you know, I kind of met her and she's um, shared the news that uh, her and Blaine have been dealing with the news that she's got stage four breast cancer. She was available now and she was going to tell her, agreed to tell her story to us so we could play it on air and do a bit of a follow-up. Anyway, uh, Rabbit introduced her on air and... So we just said, heard the
5: gotcha call Where from back in June. I called Sarah over in Canada and told her... She, she wasn't just... Well, she is. Uh, she's not going to get uh, let into
8: Australia.
1: He sort of leads possible. the story and, 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 and she starts telling how and when she found out. Well,
8: you know, I was going over there with the fiancé visa and...
1: Um, I was she to told us that it was July, via the immigration process that she had to have, like, full medical and health checks and all that sort of stuff.
8: So I went and got more done, and then I got a call from um, people in Canberra saying, you know, that my health coverage will be covered there, um, it's going to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I was like, what's going on? They're like, well, with your breast cancer. And I was like... Oh, I went, rabbit, that's not funny. <laughs> this is not the time for a gotcha call. No, I really did think it was him because everything was going smoothly and perfect. And, and you didn't um, know that you were sick at all. No, I had an appointment the next day, so I went in and I was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. Oh my um, so I called Blaine. He uh, hopped on a plane. I was at the airport thirty-six hours later, and uh, you know, big hug, big kiss, and. One of the reasons I love him is because he's able to joke around about everything, you know. He just looks at me mm. and says, babe, it's okay. I'm an ass man. We'll get through this. Oh, so, that's so
7: gorgeous. And what's the long-term prognosis for you, Sarah?
8: Um, I actually just got back from the doctor today. Um, <clears throat> Sorry. You're all right, mate. It's okay, Sarah. Um, I'll be happy to see April.
1: I'm just like, oh my God. Like, I'm just picturing these two young people, 26, madly in love, this whole kind of, like, life ahead of them and now dealing with, like, you know, none of that's going to happen for them.
8: I won't even be married a year.
4: Oh,
8: Sarah. When they start talking to you about quality of life over quantity of life, it's just... You get mad and you don't know who to get mad at and you get mad at your partner and you get mad at the world and... I'm hopefully going to be there in two weeks.
1: But the plan so is she still wants to up. come to South Australia he's and try and, you know, and still marry him on the, the the special beach where he proposed.
8: Yeah. So we're hopefully going to have a ceremony among his friends and family in January. And mm. I love him so much because he could have... He could have bailed. Yeah, he could he's probably yeah. bailed. Mm, and is, he did he stepped it up.
1: Yeah, he's really shown his strength of commitment and what an amazing man. But you I mean, obviously you're both incredibly
5: you're strong. Amazing I'm so as well. glad
1: that you found each other and that there is that love.
5: Sarah and I've been emailing back and forth stacks and your attitude, um, and the way
1: Yeah, Rabbit's kept us informed along the way of I guess the friendship that he's built with you and also about your story and, and he's pretty blown away as are we. It's hard,
8: but there's so little time left. You know, you just try and live life smile to smile and appreciate what you have. And I hope you guys, when you go home and see your family and your friends, and you let them know how much you love them because you never know. Sarah?
5: <laughs> As a last thing, look, we, we're all looking forward to catching up with you when you get here. I know you get here in a couple of weeks and you got your wedding in January and I'm definitely coming along, although I haven't actually got my invitation yet, but <laughs> can't afford invitations. So, um, what, <laughs> Sad, we'd,
8: yeah. listen, what
5: we'd like to do, we'd like to give you $1,000 towards helping getting you guys here. You can use it for the wedding. You can use it for anything you like, okay? Oh, my God. Thank
8: you so much. Oh,
7: you It's the least we can do.
8: Yeah.
7: <laughs> Mate, no dollar amount's going to...
8: Awesome.
7: The money can help you enjoy, you know, the time you have left, and we'd love to help you out.
8: Thank you
5: so much. All right, Sarah, we'll let you go. Uh, look yeah. forward to catching up with you when you get here, okay? Yep,
8: have a happy birthday. It.
5: Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we'll talk to you again soon, okay? Give Blaine our love too. I will, thank you. Okay. Lots
8: of love,
1: Sarah. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. While Sarah's story was being run, our phone lines started lighting up Hi, how you going, guys? Hi, Jenny. Isn't this heartbreaking?
8: I am driving along, stopping my heart out. Hi, how
1: you doing? I'm exactly in the same boat as Jenny. Um, I'm
8: actually just about to go to work and I, I look like I haven't slept all night oh. my eyes are so red.
5: Sue's called in from Tea Tree Gully. Morning, Sue.
8: Hi, how are you guys? Hi, Hi right. Sue. I've been a
5: nurse for a long, long time, so um, yeah, I know it's a hard ride. And they're all
1: wanting to donate money and what can we do? And My husband was going to spend $100 On me for Christmas, and I'd like to to donate $500. I think um. little kids were ringing in. I would like to donate some of my Christmas money if I could. Oh, sweetie! Yeah, I'd like to to donate a thousand dollars. Oh, Elise, that is so generous. Well, it's um, what goes around comes around happy.
5: Uh, a lot of calls coming in. And thank you so much for everyone donating. We will take a, take a couple more of your calls in just a second. It's 8.29 on SAFM. It's Rabbit Amber and Cozy
1: How are you, Sarah? How, how, how does it feel listening to all of this? Do you okay. feel like there's just like thousands and thousands of arms that have just put their arms around you and squeezed you? Oh, my God, yes. Because that's what South Australia's doing and we can't wait to meet you, Sarah. you so amazing. And she's uh, very emotional.
8: This is so overwhelming. I thank you.
1: Can't believe it.
8: Oh, my God. Ugh. Thank yeah. you so much, everybody. This is unreal.
1: I, and then so at the very end...
8: Um, rabbit. Um... Robin? <clears throat> so... Um, I, as I've told you, I don't have any family left and um, there's a big moment coming up Um, and my soon-to-be uncle-in-law has has offered to walk me down the aisle and I said I'd like to ask somebody else first. Um, I was wondering, since you're going to be there anyways, um, if you wouldn't mind taking a walk with me down the aisle.
5: Be proud too,
3: Sarah. Thank
5: you.
1: Oh, Sarah, that's so beautiful. Uh, Wow. Okay. All right. Someone's got to get a grip here.
5: That's why you handed me the tissues. Okay. Thank
1: you. Uh, Can I just say thank you, thank you so much to everyone that called in today and the donations. It's like you know times are tough. It's it's Christmas. That is just unbelievable.
5: We'll check in with you again soon, Sarah. Thank you.
2: Hi, Amber. Okay, so this is my theory about
1: friendship. Over the course of the next sort of week, um, you know, Sarah continued to email me quite a lot, and she was just really, like, very infectious. Friendship. It's, like,
2: a weird thing, you know? It's like this term... I mean, I kind of put her up on a bit of a pedestal. ...that's thrown around... Like, really carelessly by some people. And there was
1: this strength and just kind of way she was looking at her circumstances that I found pretty endearing. And I
2: guess what I'm trying to say is that we should never take
1: anyone for granted. He's someone who's 26, and let's appreciate every person and everything. Everything's being taken away from her,
2: and she has this outlook. Just because someone is no longer in your life for whatever reason that may be value the time that you had together because I promise that they left an impression on you somehow and somewhere.
1: I was at this apartment that I was renting in Adelaide really lonely and I remember I was just sitting on the end of my bed talking to Sarah and I was very uncomfortable what what the hell do you say to someone if you think that they 're dying you don 't say take care I mean what are you you know there 's a lot of things that you don 't realize until you 're in that moment that are not appropriate if you think that someone is going to die in the next twenty four hours. I was also trying not to cry, and she said, Are you okay because I was trying not to be a blubbering loser when she 's the one that 's having to be strong and she 's the one that 's you know apparently going to die. And she called me on that. She could hear it. My final words with her and her words with me were her telling me, you'll be okay. Don't worry about me. You'll be okay. And that was pretty friggin' enormous and felt unbelievably selfless. You know, that's why I ended up calling her Angel Sarah because I just thought this woman has come into, this young girl has come into my life to shake me out of my own misery, to make me realise that I have my health. I have my health. I can go on to, to have a love story if I want to. She came into my world to just spotlight everything that I thought that I didn't have, that I did have, and she didn't. I have time. She doesn't have time.
4: Hello? Hello, is this Kazi?
7: Yeah, g'day, mate. How are you going?
4: It's going well. How are you doing?
7: Yeah, mate, I've got you. We've got a little bit of a delay going on, but I've got you no worries at all.
4: Great. Uh, let me just set up the, my levels on this side. Just a second. Kazi. could you just yep, you know, no say something to tell me a little bit about the weather over there?
7: Yeah, here in South Australia at the moment. It's pretty gloomy and uh, about 20 degrees and kangaroos flying around everywhere, Barry. It's all happening. All
4: right, fantastic. I just wanted to know what you remember, uh, start at the beginning of, of your memory, of this Sarah figure and the gotcha call.
7: Yeah, it was all a little bit bizarre. We were talking to her a lot on air and the, and Rabbit in particular was talking to her a lot on air. The biggest thing for me was what? why... Why did this Blaine character disappear? If he was the guy from Adelaide, why was he nowhere to be seen? Yet we were doing all of this stuff, fundraising. Yet why didn't Blaine come into the studio or or be around? He just dropped off the face of the earth and it was all about this Sarah chick. Whereas you would think that if there's someone in Adelaide and there's an Adelaide radio station trying to help someone that, you know, that he would be in or involved, but he was nowhere to be seen. Rabbit was very much in denial of any suggestion that there was any, anything dodgy about it. But, of course, you know, he would be too because if there, if there was, then he would be quite embarrassed. I would understand that he would feel quite embarrassed that he'd sort of fallen for it. As we all did, like, I think we all felt pretty stupid. Just showed how easily easily you could be tricked
0: Things are not what they seem. When we return, DJ Amber gets in way, way too deep. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Snap Judgment, the gotcha episode. My name is Gun Washington, and a radio listener who touched Amber's heart is dying. Or is she? The following does contain some explicit language. Sensitive listeners are advised. Snap judgment. So, you were suspicious by that point?
1: No, 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 no. No, and, uh, no, no.
2: Well, if you're reading this, it means that I'm no longer in pain, and that I'm in a much better spot, and with my family. So, there's no need to be sad, right? Right? I know that it is sad that we won't chat or share jokes or make each other smile or laugh. Well, not on this level anymore, at least. But look, if you know me, and I am assuming that you did because you're getting this, you know that I will always be in your corner. Okay? Like... That overly cheesy line or dumbass comment that comes into your head when you're talking to someone irritating, that's going to be me. Or that laugh that you hear in your head when you see someone trip and fall flat on their face, that's going to be me. (laughs) Or that song that you just can't get out of your head, that's going to be my fault. Think about me and I will be there with you. Tell me to bugger off and I'll bounce, but... I'm always going to come back whenever you need me. And please don't forget to have fun and to laugh at everything. Smile until it hurts and tell everyone around you that you love them and that you appreciate them. (laughs) You don't know what tomorrow holds. I love you all from me. Mrs. Sarah Sassy Armstrong. Kisses.
1: I kept kind of picturing her spirit shooting up to wherever it is you go, and it was almost like I wanted to go with her. Now I was just left down here on my own, you know, back in my dark place. It's actually making me really emotional thinking about it now, but... Yeah, there was something about that moment that just made me feel like I was now alone again, you know. In the week before Sarah dies, she had sent an email to me introducing me via email, looped in, to her best friend Sarah Kelly.
3: Hello, Amber. The memorial was pleasantly chaotic today. Loads of people coming through the door. Lots of wonderful memories being shared. Loads of laughter. Never seen my boys cry like that before. Sarah was the closest thing they had to a sister, or a female influence that wasn't me. It was eye-opening to see my little men be men with their emotions. Very proud of them. I know you don't know me, but if you feel like venting in an email, I can read like nobody's business. Sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger. I'm here if you need it. All the best, Sarah.
1: Sarah was a very successful
3: writer i started out in morning drive radio in newfoundland
1: so she knew a lot about media she knew a lot about the kind of hijinks of radio
3: now i write for a few tv sitcoms out here in canada corner gas 22 minutes and a little talk show called the hour
1: we kind of then started this in
3: another email friendship hey amber it's 11 a.m here in toronto everyone is fairly hungover with the exception of my kids, who have been exiled to the backyard for tobogganing. She had three sons, five to 13 or something.
1: I forgot. Hangovers plus children equals ow. The husband was in um, the army in Afghanistan, and bubble. so she had a very busy life.
3: I don't know when I'll be able to process what happened with Sarah. I don't imagine it'll be until my husband gets home. Then I'll take the time for myself. Until then, it's family work, guests, pets, household, and the odd bottle of Jack D. Lol.
1: You know, we had good banter. I felt that she was not judging. You know, I, I would share what had gone on, was going on in my life or even if I was just joking, saying, oh, yeah, I'm having a great Friday night, I've got a bottle of wine and I'll be calling a friend in Sydney. Or, you know, I felt like we had this very easy kind of no bullshit You know, chemistry. But she had um, sent me an email sort of halfway through that
3: period and the subject said, I hope you don't mind, but you've been the subject of a bet. So I work with a beautiful man named Corey. See photos attached. Oh, wow. He's pretty cute, actually. He may have been privy to a few photos of you, and I think he's developed a little online crush. No, he's really... He's hes definitely cute. Okay, so here's what happened. This morning, we had one of our typically mature contests where we agreed to both try to make it across the writer's room with a glass of water on our heads. I did say mature, right? The deal was, if I made it across without drenching myself my dear friend would have to be my slave for a week. If he made it across, I was required to facilitate an email introduction between the two of you. Wow, are you ready to kill me? This is funny, this is fun. Anyway, the fact that my mascara is now slightly running may suggest to you that it was I who lost. Would you be okay if I did the intro to get the kid off my back?
1: And so that kicked off this flirtatious sort of email relationship with this Corey guy.
9: My fairest Amber. How are you? How's everything been? Fill me in on all things Amber. How's work? How are things with you and your co-hosts?
1: He was sweet. He was old-fashioned. He was funny. He was interesting. He was obviously very talented, very ambitious. He eventually left... The show that they were working on, and he became a part time radio host at uh, Z100 in New York while juggling being a junior um, writer on Saturday Night Live.
9: My sister's back, and Mom is in town. We bought her a Vespa, so she's scooting around with the big apple on it. Oh, and I got a tattoo. I have attached pics of the tattoo and me and Mama on her hardcore bike, no laughing. Oh, and the tattoo says, Music saved my life. That's a story for you and I, in person, over wine, in front of my fireplace.
1: But I never spoke to him on the phone. You know, he wanted the first time that we spoke um, to be face to face. Okay, maybe that's a really old-fashioned kind of thing. And, you know, I I didn't care that much. I was fine to go with that.
9: It's about 3.30 a.m. here. I'm going to shut the laptop and pass out. Good night, sweet Amber, my online girlfriend.
1: He also sent me flowers on my birthday, which really cheered me up, actually. They came at a great time because I was having a meltdown and because I was turning 38, I didn't have a boyfriend. I was running out of time to having having a baby. I felt like shit. My radio station wanted me to do a nude shoot with um, a whole lot of other women. And I was pretty much thinking, well, this is a fairly shit place to arrive at 38 and um, I remember I was like literally sitting at my desk crying, trying not to let anyone know that I was actually crying into my keyboard and then suddenly there was a knock on the door and um, there was flowers from Dear Corey. So that cheered me up.
3: Dear Amber, So, I'm 100% coming to Australia. I was thinking, end of June, start of July? How does that fit with you? I'll be bringing some of Sarah's ashes with me when I come visit. I have a feeling that the Armstrong family won't be up for a ceremony, but I know she wanted her ashes in as many oceans as we could find. And I said, come and stay with me, and I'll be in a
1: survey break when you arrive, so I'm going to Perth, and if you want to tag along, blah, blah, blah. I
3: cannot wait to meet you and share stories and just laugh. I haven't had a kids-free vacation in over a decade. So, yeah, I'd like to trade lives with you for a little bit. I look forward to it. The
1: day that she's there to arrive... I jump in my little Mazda 2 and I've got my little dog Marley in the back and drive around, sit out the front of Adelaide Airport and I kind of see this person coming through that I'm like, I think this is her. She was a very tall girl, very solid, and she had the biggest suitcase I've literally ever seen in my entire life. And of course I just jump out of the car and I'm madly waving, trying to make her feel kind of comfortable and... She comes closer to the car and she was definitely very reserved. She wasn't saying a lot and I was probably saying, you know, overcompensating because it's just a really awkward moment. I think that was the first indication that she was very different to who I would got to know supposedly in these emails and, and on the phone. Very different. The only thing that she seemed to warm to was my dog, Marley. She picked him up at some point and her boobs were so big that she sat him on top of her boobs and just tucked him into her T-shirt and was just like, you know, look, no hands kind of thing. But I could not get her to warm to me. There was this energy about her that made me feel like I was kind of a, a dickhead. And she was only ever really happy when someone was kind of asking her about being Canadian. So, Sarah's Ashes, the big ceremony at the beach. A bunch of people that were close to Sarah had different parts of Sarah's ashes, and they were spreading them at different parts around the world that meant something to Sarah. So Sarah had um, a little glad wrap bag with some of Sarah's ashes and we had talked about, um, you know, we would have a little spreading the ashes ceremony down at Glenelg Beach, which is where um, Blaine proposed to Sarah. I finished work, went home, got my dog Marley picked her up and I thought I'll park somewhere where we can do a nice walk it's such a really beautiful beach you know really try and sort of create the atmosphere for something that's so special and and I I knew would be a very heavy-hearted event for, for for Sarah anyway we get to the beach we have our walk tie my little dog up under a tree it was a really really hot day and then suddenly she just Marches very directly and swiftly off towards the beach while I'm just standing there. I'm like, okay, well, I wonder, does she want me to come with her? Like, uh, you know. So I sort of walk slowly behind. She then enters the water. She goes up to about her knees, and then suddenly I can see she's got her back to me. But I can see that she's obviously undoing the the bag, and she's just you know, emptying the contents and I'm thinking, Jesus, wow, am I like the chauffeur? Like, what the hell happened? I thought we were doing this together and out of no, literally nowhere, it was the stillest day, out of nowhere, this gust of wind picks up just around Sarah, (laughs) picks up some of Sarah's ashes and ends up depositing them all over Sarah's skirt. And I'm just going, oh, my God, like, this is, of I mean, shit, like, I, oh, my God, like, is this, am I supposed to laugh or this, is this the worst thing? And I'm thinking, you know, I was too scared to laugh because I thought if she's already a face like thunder, what's she going to do now that she's wearing her a, wearing a best friend? So she just literally brushed down her skirt. The rest of Sarah was on her arm, put her arm in the water, washed it off, marched back out and did not say a word to me. Nothing. That was it. That was the big farewell.
0: It is not over. When we return, Amber has a realization and finally confronts the stranger who has invaded her life. Stay tuned. back to Snap Judgment, the gotcha episode. My name is Glenn Washington, and when last we left, Amber had invited Sarah from Canada to stay with her. and things, things got a little weird. The following does contain some explicit language. Sensitive listeners are advised. Snap Judgment.
1: So I've been in total anger. Where that shifted into suspicion was the first day that I got back from my holidays Cozzy was very interested to find out how the holiday had gone and he thought it was very funny because he couldn't understand he'd said to me a few times you know does the fact that she's a total stranger and you've never met her before does that kind of weigh into any of your kind of like hesitations about having her stay in your house and I'm like oh shut up Cozzy you know she's Sarah's best friend you know it's not that big a deal and I don't want to admit that you know Cozzy's right that yeah no it was a it was a total disaster. And he's laughing and I just, yeah, she was just a real bitch. Like, she just treated me like shit. Anyway, about an hour later into the show and we were in an ad break.
7: Yeah, there was a real defining moment. We were sitting in the office.
1: Cozzy was sort of looking a little like he was thinking about something. And,
7: and it, was, it was then that some things weren't matching up and that's when I said...
1: So, Petty, what would you do if you found out Sarah was actually Sarah, which means that Corey doesn't exist. None of them exist. What would you do if you found that out?
7: And then from there, everything just, like, made, like, made no sense.
1: And I just kind of looked at him and I I was immediately pissed off because I thought... Don't even, like, don't that, like, that, you know, there's an amazing girl. Forget the bitch that came to stay with me that happens to be her best friend. There's an amazing girl here that Rabbit and I became very, very close to that has died. And by you saying anything, you're implicating, like, her being part of something weird. And I looked at Rabbit because I wanted to see if he looked pissed off as well, and he was just staring down at his little knobs and buttons and whatever. And then he kind of looked up at the clock and he said, ten seconds till Mike's on. And then just suddenly it was like this bomb went off inside me, like this slow kind of bomb. The smoke was just slowly making its way up through my body where I'm like, oh, my God, why is what he just said to me making me feel so weird?
4: So tell me about the investigation, how does it begin?
1: The excavating of all of this stuff is, is, is happening over the course of three months I was absolutely sure that somehow I would find a huge clue If I could direct my focus and investigation around Corey so I sat in front of my computer and I went, OK, Corey, where are you? I went through his emails again. I looked at his photos. Any clues? Went through all of her emails, going, any clues? Going into Google Images and Corey, Radio Canada, you know, like just that kind of thing. And then suddenly I find his photos. And I'm like, oh, my God. His name was Corey different surname, had worked in radio, was the guy in the photos. And I sit there and I look at his pro Facebook profile and I think, are you part of this scam? Who's this guy?
4: This guy's real name?
1: This guy's real name is Corey Kim. Okay, and you've been talking to... And I've been talking to Corey Malcolmson. Malcolmson. Yes. Okay,
4: okay so Corey, why don't you uh, start by um, introducing yourself, telling everybody who you are?
6: Uh, my name is Corey Kim. I'm a radio DJ in Canada uh, what I do is I talk on the microphone and I play people's favorite songs and I envision them uh, dancing in the kitchen, having a good time when they hear them.
4: Okay. Now, tell me what you remember about um, meeting Amber Petty online that day or night.
6: Um, she uh, sent me a message asking me if I knew a certain person by the name of Sarah. And, and he basically says, oh. Yeah, it was a... Uh, A common uh, person. I I have heard of her. I have seen her before.
1: Yes, I've met this girl before.
6: She had blonde hair, about down to her shoulders. Uh, She was a little overweight, Um, always had a big smile on and uh, seemed very jolly, seemed very happy. She
1: was a friend of a girl that died of cancer. Similar
4: story. And this was a person that was present at the station and like knew other people and so on?
6: Absolutely. She was real. It was no Mr. Snuffleupagus. She uh, would come in, she she knew other people, other people knew who she was. So uh, yeah, it was legit.
1: And I just remember pushing away from my computer desk and just sitting there.
6: She was a friend of another radio host and she would just pop in every once in a while and Uh, She would say stuff that she was writing for Saturday Night Live. She was one of the writers there, and uh, she would just come in periodically. And all I remember is the other people in the building being in awe of her, of of how accomplished she was and what she's done. And uh, she really was good at making everyone feel like she was obviously something that she wasn't. So um, there was something that she was able to do to make people look at her and be in awe.
1: He basically then said, hang on, let me go and talk to this guy that I used to work with on radio because he became close to the girl.
6: Yeah, I remember I tried to reach out to uh, another person that knew Sarah.
1: So he's gone back to this guy and basically said, I've got this chick in Australia, she's a radio girl, She's had they've had some scam happen to them and there's this best friend and there's this girl that died of cancer and this is what she looked like and he's apparently written back to Corey and just said, oh my God, I've gone white as a ghost. Yes, you can confirm her that the same thing happened to me, but I don't I don't want to I don't want to talk about it.
6: That was just a dead end. He didn't really want much to do with it. Maybe he got taken as well. And I think, you know, anytime any of us get conned or tricked, uh, the last thing we want to do is kind of relive that moment and and go through that again. So, um uh, we tried. Yeah, we absolutely gave it a try.
4: So, you know that she had run this scam once. Yeah, I know at least once, At least once other. Yeah. That's what you know of.
1: But I really, really, really do suspect that she will have scammed other people in some other way. She knows entertainment, she knows media. I feel like there's a part of her that's so angry that she feels that she should be in these roles.
4: So it was about getting on the air and getting connected with media people.
1: It was being inside their world, being made to feel really important by them. And sadistically, being able to look at them and go, well, you're a bunch of fuckwits. You're a bunch of dickheads, you know. I got one over you. You think you're all so smart, but I got one over you. On the other side, I think it's, yeah, this actual real desire to be loved and be part of that world and be, you know, loved by the the radio guy, the media guy. So you don't think it's about the money? You don't think it's the twelve thousand dollars? No, no, it's definitely not about the money. I mean, this is what's astounding. She booked a trip, obviously said goodbye to her loved ones in Canada, her best mates, comes to Australia, comes into the radio network, meets the people, stays with me. Like if you were going to pull something like that off and it was just about money, you're not going to, you've got the money. You've got the money. Corey, this Corey and I, end up in a very constant, quite excitable conversation. And very quickly, he wanted to have a phone call and just to prove to me that he had a voice. And to be honest, in a way, I started to go, "Okay, well, maybe all of this bizarre stuff has happened to me to, to, in the strangest way ever, lead me to, you know, (laughs) this guy. Yeah.
4: Yeah, tell me what happens with that.
1: So, oh, (laughs) my God. So what happens with that is we start kind of going, well, let's not worry about distance being in the way here. We're both kind of crazy. So over the next couple of weeks, we started planning for me to go over there and for us to have our first meeting. It just unleashed this craziness and I thought, oh, my God, here we go. I've actually, I've actually, through this shit fight of a situation have ended up falling in love. And so, of course, I thought, well, look how smart I am. <laughs>
4: and? and? And what happened? And Come on. I mean, like, so, the actual uh, yeah, the, amazing part of the story, actually. Well, <laughs> yeah, I remember just flying
1: into Edmonton and I had um, Katie Tunstall. Um, suddenly I see blaring over and over in my ears because I'm just trying to Undo my kind of like sort of fear. And I remember just looking out the window and it was just white. I just, I've just arrived in the middle of like a snowfield. Like, what is actually going on here? And I walked nervously out from the gate and just saw his mum, Corey, and his mum standing there with this huge bunch of flowers and waving frantically and, you know, big embrace. And anyway, it was just the most beautiful week. So it felt so normal and so not bizarre, like the story that was attached to how we came to know each other. Sounds like you know? a wholesome
4: guy, actually.
1: He's <laughs> super wholesome, like super, super, super wholesome. In, in fact, so wholesome that there was places that we would go. He liked to go to the mall a lot, which I'm like, I thought that was just in movies that everyone in America and Canada go likes to go to the mall. But we went to the mall a lot and we went to Starbucks and these sort of places. And I'm like, okay, right. Okay. okay." He was very wholesome and adorable and fun. And yeah, it was amazing. And we were just, we were like madly in love. That didn't end up working out, which was pretty heartbreaking too. Because I just thought, oh god, now what is this story? This now this is just back to being a really shit story where I look like a dickhead and you know, like I've still got egg on my face. You know, where's the where's the the bouquet? Anyway, so um, so that was yeah. So that 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 wasn't good, and it, it, it intensified my kind of anxiety and 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 bad self esteem at the time. But you know, now that I now that I look back and I'm in a much happier place, I'm like, no, Corey and I were never gonna work. When I found her on Facebook,
9: I mean it only
1: added to my outrage because I thought, who the hell are you to just be sitting there, never been brought to justice? got away with all sorts of atrocities,
4: and there you are just sitting there. Kazi, if if I sent you a picture, do you think you'd be able to recognise if it was this Sarah that you had seen? Yeah, I'm pretty confident I would. Yeah, yep, yep. I'm, I'm sending a link to your email right now. Yeah,
7: let's see. Oh, yeah, I would say that's like 99.9% her.
4: Okay so you're pretty sure like the tattoos yeah, and things is that familiar
7: yeah in fact I, yeah i just scrolled down i see the tattoos and that yeah i'd say 100
6: Yep.
4: okay so i just sent you an email with a link
6: okay there we go and there's
4: if you scroll down this page you should be able to see like a bigger picture
6: yes absolutely okay <laughs> yeah absolutely that's right yeah all right thank you Corey.
4: that that really really helps thank you so much for doing this this morning
1: about a year ago I sent her a message oh well, well hello Sarah and how is everything in your world it was a real like short and sarcastic like I've found you gotcha and I didn't get anything and I've been blocked
4: if she ever responded what do you think you would say
1: all i can think is how dare you i mean it, 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 you know and i'm not going to feel ashamed that in the end i would love to hear a good reason why she caused so much pain and 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 so much destruction and i would like it to marry with perhaps she's had her own and that doesn't make it right but I would like to see her truly vulnerable. And I would, like to, I, I would like control of getting the answers to the real story, not the bullshit. But if it was a short text, it would be, how dare you? last year 2019 i was just sitting on my bed and then a an email popped through the subject was if you want and it was from sarah hello hi how are you good how are you i'm just moving so you can i don't know whether you've got your thing we broke on, the right? ice by small talk like people do what time is it there uh, 20 to 12,
8: almost oh. midnight.
1: Oh. No different if it was someone that catfished you 10 years before than someone that you haven't seen that you went to school with. So how
8: are you? You have had a rough week?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty intense week. Well, it was a
8: good week. Why, why did this happen? In a way, reaching out to you was me wanting to make an amends and be like, I owe this person answers.
1: Well, and that's
8: certainly something to be proud of. I hope so. I just kind of did it for shits and giggles. It started off that way, shits and giggles, just like, oh, well, you know, I'm bored, and I thought, what the hell, why not? (laughs)
4: Hi, Mrs. Robertson. This is Colin from the Australian Immigration Department. I have your file right here in front of me. Do you have a moment...
8: I just remember a feeling of, this is happening. This is ridiculous. How can he not... like, well, your breast cancer. No, this is fake. I went, rabbit, that's not funny. This is not the time for a gotcha call. When I want to be, I can be pretty charming and talk myself into pretty much anything. Perfect. And you didn't um, know that you were sick at all? No. I had an appointment the next day, so I went in and I At that period in my life, I, I would binge drink. I loved cocaine. Oh my God, I loved cocaine. I would sometimes go to the bar like an hour before last call, slam back pretty much half a bottle of vodka and just look for a bite. That was my state of mind. Getting any attention that I could didn't matter if it was negative or positive. It feels like a cop out to say I was so sick, but I mean I I was mentally sick. I was so fucking sick.
1: So you so you ended up making the decision to kill Sarah off.
8: Yeah, I I wanted everything to go away. And Why? Why why did you decide that the, then Because I <sighs> I just didn't like it anymore it wasn't it wasn't giving me anything and it was becoming kind of like a job type of thing to wow but so
1: did you get a bit
8: bored by it yeah oh yeah (laughs) and I think that was when I was kind of getting into my spiral was going into one of the downs and that's what truly when when I isolate I see I don't want to talk to anyone I don't want to get out of bed I don't wanna do anything. Right. But then as my high started to happen, you know, a while later, I'm like, okay, well, here we go again. I didn't know if that was gonna work because I used the same name. (laughs) Well, it was spelt different. I dropped an
1: H. So how do you sit with the money that was taken from all those people and it was never
8: disgusting. It's disgusting. It's um. It's it was horrible, and I can't do anything to take that back.
1: Did you ever think about contacting SAFM and saying, "Right, this is me. I've got some money that's owing to those people. I presume you've all, you've still got their names."
8: No, I I have not done that.
1: Have you thought about that cuz that would be
8: Oh, I would I would I would love to you know Have I thought about it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um but you know fear has stopped me and I don't have, you know, $9,000 to out of my own pocket to to pay to someone. Yeah. A lot of that stuff, you know, I I just genuinely don't remember or I'm blacked out from. There are some characters that I just don't even remember creating. I don't, um, I'm not running away from any of the responsibilities. I did it 100%, regardless of mental health or this or that or alcoholism. Those are things that were happening in my life, but that doesn't mean... Oh, well, hey, I fucked a bunch of people over. It's okay because I'm an alcoholic or I'm an addict or I've got bipolar. You know, that's not – I was raised in a shitty environment. You know, it's a part of who I am and I will always be. But that doesn't make it okay at all. I'm just going to take a second. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. What's that? Have another cigarette. Well, if you insist.
4: (laughs) Oh, fuck me.
1: (laughs) Sarah conveniently hasn't, or genuinely doesn't have, a lot of memory about the detail of this time. And I do understand if she was doing a lot of cocaine and alcohol, and, and but I remember a lot of stuff. A big part of a genuine healing process is being honest and coming clean. And if you are starting by telling something that's inauthentic, because I do not believe it was motivated by its time or anything like that. She's known where to find me. And I know that this bitch isn't going away, is in her head. That's the starting point. Do I think that that has fairly quickly turned into a genuine concern for me? Yeah, I do. But I never really got any answers. I really look back at who I was at that time and I see that I had really bad, terrible mental health issues that I hadn't dealt with. And I really hope that Sarah and I could connect in terms of two women 10 years later, you know, came together at a time when we're both really struggling and yet 10 years later I am none the wiser to what her process of getting help was. So that's a shame because I think she's an amazing talker and I don't mean this with any passive aggressiveness. I think she's an amazing talker. She's an incredibly gifted storyteller. She's an incredibly gifted person in creating characters. And the way she does see the world, like she she really has an enormous amount of talent. It's just unfortunate that all of her mental health issues and sort of shadow sides are all sort of still there. And until you can clear them, I don't think you can really come out the gates with your true passion, purpose and, and gifts. And I think that's that's a real shame because she deserves to be more peaceful. She deserves to be more peaceful, you know? So that's about it, really. I mean, that is me being genuine. Um, But the other side of me just says, stop bullshitting and get on with it. You know, I'm not a fuckwit anymore.
0: Right on, right on, right on. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That story was a co-production between Snap Judgment Studios, Hi-Fi Nation with Barry Lamb, and our dear friends at Love & Radio. Love & Radio comes to us from Luminary, and you can listen to more of their amazing work at loveandradio.org, including an entire episode featuring Sarah's version of this story. And you can hear Hi-Fi Nation with Barry Lamb, the best story-driven philosophy podcast in the universe, at hifination.org That's h-i-p-h-i-nation.org Radio DJ Amber Petty has written a new book called This Is Not A Love Song and it's available for pre-order. You can find links to all these things and a full list of the music in this episode at snapjudgment.org This story includes the voices of Amber Petty, Corey Kim, Andrew Kazi-Costello, and Sarah. The actors... Were Leah Pabani, Corey Layton, and Robin Luckwalt Ross. This story was produced by Barry Lamb, by Stephen Jackson, Nick Vanderkolk, Phil Domhofsky, Julie DeWitt, and John Facile. And I want to give a special thanks to Diane Wu, Antimo Yanela, and to Ira Glass. Snap is It somehow happened again. If you miss even a moment, a millisecond of this story, you know what to do. Subscribe to the Snap Judgment podcast to hear it all and get so much more. Does you love Snap Storytelling? Storytelling that's made from the heart. Storytelling made remotely in closets, back rooms, sheds, dog houses, underground bunkers. Storytelling lovingly crafted just for you. If you dig it, support it. That was brought to you by the team that never wanted to be on the radio. No, no, no. We all want to be bowling champions, each and every one of us, except, of course, for the Uber producer, Mr. Mark Ristich, Papasibi Miller, Anna Sussman, Lindsay Gorio, Nancy Lopez, John Facile, Shayna Shiri, Marissa Dodge, Nika Singh, Tao Ducat, Flo Wiley, Regina Bediaco, and Leon Morimoto. This is not the news. No way, this is news. In fact, you could prank call your local DJ on your local radio show, and the joke would be on you because there is no more local radio shows and certainly no DJs. It's all remote now. Robots, tubes, and wires. If you do all that, you'd still, still, still not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is P.R.